0: welcome to the Senior Detectives Podcast, a cozy corner to talk about mysteries of all kinds.
1: I'm Hannah. And I'm Lauren. Today, we will be covering Sherlock Holmes, The Hound of Baskervilles. We are comparing the original novel by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the Sherlock BBC TV episode, and the point-and-click puzzle game by Waterfish Games. Awoo!
0: Awoo! (laughs) yeah we started out um hoping to cover just the game and kind of quickly realized that the game doesn't have as much to offer as we thought it did
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and there's i think it's important to tell the original story because they're all very different they're like so super different
0: Which was news to me. I thought I knew this story and I thought I had read this story, but apparently I hadn't uh, because none of it rang a bell um, as I was going through it. I think I just had
1: picked up the general
0: plot over the years.
1: Right. Because there's so many adaptations of this story, Mm -hmm. like way more than just these two. Oh, yeah. There are so,
0: so many like movies and TV show episodes and everything else.
1: Which I think is interesting because, to be honest, I don't know if the story is that strong for it to be one of the most, like, spun-off Sherlock stories.
0: Right. I'm not sure why it caught on so much. I mean, I liked it. I, yeah. You know, it's a good, solid Sherlock story, but I, I don't understand why it caught on as, like, one of his most popular, if not the most popular, Sherlock Holmes story of all time. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go in the order of covering the book first so that we get the real, actual, original story lined out for you. And then we will kind of compare and contrast the game and the TV show
1: episode to that. Um, okay, so as far as the book, the original OG story, overall thoughts? Um,
0: I really, I think I'm just a really big sucker for, like, the classic mystery stories like i'm always gonna really enjoy the writing style of conan doyle and like agatha christie and they read in a really specific way to me they do that modern mysteries like just don't give me this it's like a nostalgic feeling almost where i don't necessarily want all my mysteries to feel like this but these have a really specific vibe yeah
1: it's old
0: it just feels like old Fashioned and I love that about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's like the greatest mystery story by any means, no. but I like really enjoyed myself while I was reading it.
1: Yeah, I agree. There are, I don't know if it's just because I was reading it on the Kindle on my phone, but there's like paragraphs that are so ridiculously long without any breaks in them. And my brain had a tough time getting through those sometimes Mm. (laughs) but other than that um yeah it was delightful and it was interesting to read a sherlock story because most of my experiences with it have been from other media mainly the sherlock tv show where even the character of sherlock is very different very, very different. Yeah. I mean, there's
0: definitely elements pulled, but it's such a
1: different character. <laughs> and it so it was nice to read originally what he was supposed to be like. He's way less of a dick. He still has his
0: moments. He but
1: does. the BBC
0: Sherlock specifically is kind of a real asshole. Yeah. I like him. Especially to Watson. I mean, yeah, like I enjoy watching him, but yeah. not as fun to like be with.
1: And Watson in this is like. Not even hiding the fact that he's basically an assistant. Right. (laughs) He just just accepted his fate. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Poor Watson in this story. I really sympathize with him. Yeah. At certain
1: parts. (laughs) For sure. Man gets played. (laughs) He gets played so hard. All right. Yeah.
0: So I guess let's jump in. The story, just like most Sherlock Holmes stories, opens at 221B Baker Street, which Lauren and I have been to. That's what I was going to say. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) It felt silly to like go just walk over and see it,
1: but like it's cool. It's cool. (laughs) There was like a line of people taking pictures and there's a little statue of uh, Sherlock like on Mm -hmm. the street. It's neat. It's cute. Yeah. Um,
0: But yeah, Sherlock and Watson are having a conversation about a cane, like a walking stick That Mm -hmm. was left outside their door uh, as if somebody came by while they were out and they missed them, but they didn't leave a card or anything. They just left this cane on accident.
1: Yeah. And Holmes has Watson try to deduce things from it. And honestly, I feel like he does a good job. But then Holmes is like, that was awesome. Like, good for you. But also, no.
0: I know I in my notes I wrote typical Holmes being a dick to Watson right away. He's just like schooling him and then is like oh you did okay but, but actually try. it was all wrong.
1: Yeah, It's very patronizing. Yeah.
0: Watson puts up with the
1: patronizing
0: oh, much better than I would.
1: Oh for sure. I would hate that shit. Watson even like because it's him telling the story. It's from his perspective. So he's even like oh man I really thought that he was impressed by my skills, and he's not. <laughs>
0: Sadly, no. Yeah. So, they, yeah, they're trying to figure out who this belongs to, what sort of person would have this item, and why they might have left it. And they come to the conclusion, just various things that are on the walking stick. They determine that it was a man named Mr. James Mortimer who was a doctor with a career in the city, but has left the hospital that he worked at to practice in the country. And that he has a mid-sized dog who likes to carry the stick as they walk,
1: <laughs> which is very cute. It is very cute because there's like bite marks and stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they are immediately, their hypothesis is proven because he shows up at the front door. And he is there to prompt them with
0: the case of the Baskerville family and their curse.
1: He says that he has been entrusted by the recently deceased Sir Charles Baskerville with a document.
0: Yeah, the document's labeled Baskerville Hall, 1742, and it's basically like the legend of the Baskerville family. And it details... What happened with I guess the patriarch of this family, which I was a hate this. Story. Oh, it's a horrible story. We're gonna get into that. I
1: literally, as I was reading, it, I was like, "The fuck am I reading?" <laughs> I hate everything about this.
0: <laughs> I put some quotes in our outline because some of the things in here, I was just like, "Jesus Christ!" I know. <laughs> oh God! So it tells the tale of the patriarch of the Baskerville family, Hugo Baskerville. Who is supposedly the root and cause of the Baskerville family curse? And do you want to tell the story Um, or shall I?
1: Okay. So basically, Hugo Baskerville got a crush on this girl and he started stalking her. And then he literally kidnaps her, takes her to his family's farm, and keeps her as a prisoner in Mm -hmm. there, holds her captive.
0: That's a way to win her What over. the fuck?
1: Yeah. She manages to escape, but she does it at night. And the moor, it's like the castle house thing is surrounded by a moor. And she, so she's running across the moor. He's like upset by this. <laughs> As men are.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's real pissy that she has managed to escape his captivity. How could she? How dare she? How dare
1: she? And he manages to, like, wrestle up a bunch of his friends to also be incensed by this. What? Yeah. They're not like, yo, maybe don't keep women prisoners.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) They're all having dinner, and I guess he realizes she has escaped and is trying to reach her family's farm on the other side of the moor. So he runs out on his horse to run her down with a pack of hounds.
1: Yeah, he says that he would that very night render his body and soul to the powers of evil if he might but overtake the wench.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's truly terrible. But then his dinner guests, you know, realize what he what's up and they also ride out with their horses to I don't I don't know if they are I feel like they're just like, what the fuck is going on
1: <laughs> and I ride out after him? Maybe I'm not OK with it. Anyways, I feel like they should be riding out to like catch him and be like, yo, bro, chill. But let her go.
0: He, they're definitely team Hugo, because yes. if
1: they had gotten to them, they would
0: have helped him catch her for sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And his whole plan is like she's going to get tired and then I'll catch up to her. It's literally like hound dogs running deer. Oh, That's yeah. That's what dog hunters do.
0: He does manage to catch up to her as his friends ride up on their horses. They ride up on her dead, basically of fright and exertion.
1: Yeah. And they ride up on him also (laughs) dead, getting his throat torn out by a giant black hound. Yeah. The story ends with the coming of the hound has
0: plagued the family ever since. Many of the family have been unhappy in their deaths, which were sudden, bloody, and mysterious. I love at this point
1: Sherlock is like, okay.
0: He's like, and. And (laughs) this is. It's like, that's a nice, cute story. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's actually a
1: horrible story.
0: <laughs> Mortimer also reads them a recent newspaper article about the death of Sir Charles Baskerville, who entrusted this document to him. And Charles has quite an estate. He am- amassed quite a fortune for himself, which they mentioned that he made his fortune abroad in South Africa. And I don't really want to know how he made his fortune in South Africa, because I feel like there's not a way to do that. That doesn't involve extreme exploitation.
1: (laughs) Yes, for sure. And especially of the time. Right. Uh, Yeah. If you go in and research that, it's probably not great, but supposedly he came back with that money and has been helping the community ever since. So everyone there really loved him.
0: Yes, he's his like local county in England. He's been sort of renovating his own family manor and also like using his money to build up the town and help the residents. So he's very well beloved in the area. And he recently died and was found dead by his butler. And it's I feel like the description of this little alleyway is kind of important. It's like the side of the house that is like a tree-lined grassy alleyway with like a gate in it that leads out to the moor. And he was found dead like at the end of that alleyway with no signs of struggle or blood or anything on him. He just died. Yeah. Fell dead right on flat on
1: his face. And he looked <laughs> anguished, like yes, scared, mm-hmm. fatigued, that kind of thing.
0: Uh, and so, yeah, Dr. Mortimer Moore um, was the one who investigated his body. Yeah, the man who is talking to them right now. Yes. He tells Sherlock and Watson that he investigated the body and there were no signs of a struggle or any wounds to him, but that he just noted that there was great gigantic footprints, paw prints,
1: paw prints, next (laughs) to the body. Yeah, he also is like super intuitive. And he's like, yeah, well, I think he was standing near this gate for like 10, 15 minutes because of his footprints and like the amount of ash on the ground. And Sherlock is like genuinely impressed by this man's Mm -hmm. observations. Mm -hmm. I really like that detail.
0: Yeah. And he noticed by like the, the pattern of his footprints because he like walked up to the gate. So they were like normal footprints. And then he stood there for a while. And then the footprints leading away from the gate are like only his toes. And the butler was like, he was like tiptoeing away and he's like, no, I'm pretty sure he was like full sprint running running away from this gate for sure until his heart gave out and he died.
1: Yeah. And Mortimer says that about three weeks before his death, he claims to have seen the hound and he was getting like super anxious about it and it was clearly affecting his health. So,
0: yes, he was actually per doctor's orders, about to return to London the very next day to appease his anxieties about this hound and the curse that comes with it. But he's not the only one who's seen it. Like a couple of the local people in the area talk about having seen a big black hound out on the moor like at night. So he's not the only crazy one, at least. (laughs) There are other witnesses.
1: Holmes is basically like, all right, so what do you want me to do about this? What what case is here? Yeah. What what do you need me for? And he says, well, the real issue, like the reason he's come is not because of his death, but because of the heir to the estate, which is a man named Henry Baskerville. And Baskerville Hall is huge. It needs a tenant in order to, you know, keep, the support for the community going because there was also a lot of money that was left to this man but Mm -hmm. he's worried about henry he's like yo some supernatural crazy shit is going on what if he comes and immediately dies
0: right and he's the last baskerville supposedly like there are no other heirs and the estate would have to pass to like distant cousin family members which he really doesn't want to see happen he's really trying to to save Henry's life here. So Holmes tells him to come back tomorrow and bring Henry along with you. And uh, kicks, he kicks Watson out. He, gets, he kicks everybody out of the apartment.
1: He does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah. that he can think about the
1: whole case for the day. <laughs> and he gets some tobacco and like, totally stinks up the whole room. I would hate that.
0: Yeah. So Henry and Mortimer come back the next day and present to Holmes a letter that Henry had received that very morning because he had just arrived in London. It was like an old-fashioned ransom note style. Yeah, like
1: blackmail. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Where they they cut up a newspaper to write out this note, um, except for the very last word because they couldn't find that word, I guess. But the note reads, As you value your life or your reason, keep away from the more.
1: Yes, I I think it's so cool how Sherlock deduces he knows exactly what newspaper this came from and what article it came from. Yes, <laughs> I think he does. It so neat.
0: He tells them that it was from that day's issue of the Times, and they are going to get to the bottom of this. And he is he is sucked in. Sherlock is all in on this now. Fair. He's
1: taking the case. Loves a good case. So. Henry asks Holmes and Watson to visit him for lunch the next day uh, at their inn um, because he wants to decide whether he's going to Baskerville or not and like what their game plan is going to be to keep him safe. And when they leave, Sherlock is like, come with me, Watson. (laughs) <laughs> he does the classic show, like Sherlock just like
0: walk out of the room, not explain anything, and wants to just like, uh, okay. okay. I guess we're like going a puppy dog. So they actually tail Mortimer and Henry back to their hotel, not to follow them per se, but to make sure or see if anybody is following them. Because somebody clearly knows that Henry has just arrived in London and plans to return to Baskerville Hall and wants to stop him from doing that. And he's totally right. Yep. They immediately spot a black cab that is just basically doing everything that Henry and Mortimer do.
1: They only see a little bit of him. He's in the backseat and he has a full black beard, but they get themselves caught pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. so the cab like rushes off (laughs) and Holmes is so upset about it. He's like, I can't believe I did that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah he's like we should have been more sneaky i can't believe we got ourselves caught with that was valuable information um, but they did note that the cab number was number 2704 so they're gonna try and look up that cabbie later to get some information out of him
1: yeah he also talks to this kid like an informant kid he enlists him in helping them visit all 23 hotels In that area to find a discarded paper with holes cut in it. Like he's like, here's some money. bribe the workers at these hotels to see the trash cans. cans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy.
0: (laughs) It's classic like Sherlock Holmes shenanigans. Just not seeing like the social weirdness of that situation and just being like, just do it. I need this information.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I honestly really like this story because. It seems more realistic than other adaptations because that's a good idea to go to the hotels. It's, I mean, he even says it's very impractical that the kid will find anything, but it's like a lead to follow up on.
0: Absolutely. Even if the kid doesn't find newspapers, he might see or hear some sign about somebody recently, you know, or he can ask around about people with a black beard or it's definitely a line worth looking into. Absolutely.
1: When they get to the hotel, Henry is in a fit estate. He has lost a boot or it was stolen from outside his room.
0: Yeah. He bought himself, uh, upon returning to London, a brand new pair of nice boots. And I guess he set I, this part that I'm like, okay, but well, why did you set them out if they were brand new? Because I guess he set them outside of his
1: room to get polished, like, to be
0: shined. But then... Came back uh, in the morning and one of them was gone.
1: (laughs) Mm, That's a good point, Hannah.
0: (laughs) And I'm like, well, if they were brand new, how polished do they need to be? Mm, But whatever. (laughs) He's real fussy about it and is in quite a state. And he tells Holmes and Watson he does know somebody with a full black beard. And it is Mr. Barrymore, who is Baskerville Hall's butler. And that he and his wife have looked after the hall for like four generations now. Wild. Yeah. They have just been serving this family for four generations. Yikes. That's craziness. It is pretty nuts,
1: actually. Born into servantry to a family.
0: Just to be born into that situation and not be encouraged to leave it is just wild. Uh, And they benefited from Charles's passing Barrymore and his wife both received 500 pounds from Charles's will and Holmes makes note that if Baskerville Hall were to remain without a tenant or if Henry were to die, then the Barrymore's would basically inherit like not inherit the hall, but.
1: There'd be no one there and they could if live If nobody
0: there. moves in, they would just basically have it to themselves yeah. and suddenly have a nice, really big manor to themselves to live in. Right. So they kind of stand to gain from that in that way.
1: Yeah. So Holmes gets the bright idea to send him a telegraph to at the basketball hall to make sure that he's actually there, um, which I think is smart
0: as mm-hmm. well.
1: Also quite clever.
0: He hears back about the cabby, the cabby. Comes to talk to them at two twenty one B actually, and tells them about his passenger earlier that day. And he says he doesn't know much beyond a physical description and his name. He says, "Yeah, his name was Mister Sherlock Holmes."
1: I and Sherlock is like, <laughs> excuse me. When I read that, He's... I was like, "Oh, that's pretty good." <laughs> He's so offended. <laughs> i think he's also impressed a little bit (laughs) he thinks it's clever yeah uh
0: henry mysteriously finds his missing brand new boot the next morning but notes that one of his old boots is now missing
1: oh right yes it like very strange got swapped
0: very Mm -hmm. weird it's super weird. Holmes and Watson do hear back that that telegraph was received in Devonshire and Mr. Barrymore received it and he couldn't have been in London following Henry in a cab.
1: And lastly, they hear back from the kid. The little kid.
0: I can't remember his name. It starts I with a C. Either. Mm. I think it's like Cartwright or something like that. We uh, Spoilers. We We meet him again later in the story. And I know I wrote his name down then, but... <laughs>
1: You'll have to wait.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He gets back and says that there was no sign of that cut up newspaper. So they still don't know who or where said person
1: was staying. Yeah. And so they're kind of bummed by the lack of leads (laughs) anymore because they all kind of hit dead ends.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But Sherlock is sending Watson to go with Henry. He's basically like, you need to keep him safe. You're going to go with him and you're going to tell me all about it because I am busy and I can't come.
0: I cannot be bothered. Yeah. (laughs) I got more important shit to do. The only thing left to do, as all of their threads have gone cold, is somebody needs to actually be at Baskerville Hall. Yeah, they need to go. Gathering information. And yeah, he needs to have somebody with him because clearly his life is
1: at stake. Yeah. And he's like very explicit. He's like, do not go out on the moor at night by yourself. Like, just don't do it. Don't Absolutely the, not and More he, at night at all. He
0: explicitly tells Watson under no circumstances do you let him go out on the moor by himself. Yeah. And don't let him go anywhere by himself for that yeah. matter. You are basically his bodyguard. And also, you're reporting to me, send me regular letters with lots of stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that you Watson find <laughs> breaks that promise like a billion times. <laughs> oh,
0: he, he really does. He's also given the specific instruction to investigate and get to know the locals and to try and figure out what they're all about and, and get a story kind of for each one of them. Cause Holmes is very interested in the local people who live in the
1: area. So they travel to, um, Basketball hall, which is in Devonshire. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like a full day journey that they take. They have to take a train and then basically like a horse and cart situation from the train station to Baskerville Hall. And
1: on their way, their coachman tells them about an escaped convict from nearby Princeton prison that got out and they think that he's on the moor or he passed through the moor or he died on the moor. <laughs> no one knows right.
0: He he's he's a like serial killer from London who was arrested and yeah, made an escape out onto the moor. They think he's still living out there. And we haven't really talked about the more, but it's supposed to be this really uninhabitable sort of space, mm-hmm. quite like swampy really marshy. and mm-hmm, marshy, lots like quicksand, of like I think, <laughs> yeah, kind of like quicksand. It's like a bog. So yeah, they're like even if he was like living out there, it's not likely he's going to survive for very long. There's nothing to eat. There's no shelter. They're searching the more, but they're pretty sure he's long gone.
1: Actually, I think the police follow him to the moor and then they're like ah fuck that
0: yeah they're and like they we're not it. going out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is probably the smart thing to do honestly yeah mm-hmm.
1: and when they actually get to basketball hall it's like super grim dreary foggy dark scary <laughs> i think i would be like i'm good i'm gonna go home
0: <laughs> it's very unwelcoming sort of place and yeah. they meet the berrymores. Henry is told that Barrymore and his wife wish to leave as soon as Henry gets himself settled in Baskerville Hall, that they do not feel comfortable. They were quite attached to Charles Baskerville and with his death, they're quite shocked by it. And with the weird curse situation, they just don't want to be here anymore. So plan on leaving asap.
1: I totally agree with this and I would want to do the same. This is the logical thinking moment of the (laughs) book where you're like, yep, mm -hmm, that's what I would do. They're doing it right. Probably leave before he even gets there. But I understand they're trying to be good people and like help him out. Yep.
0: So they have a really sad, gloomy dinner (laughs) all together in the dining room. And there's all these portraits in the dining room, like of all the Baskervilles that there have ever been, I guess, which is quite ominous. Oh, gosh.
1: So many faces staring at you while you eat. Yeah, so they eat and, like,
0: leave the room and go retire to the billiard room as quickly as possible. But then Watson has a really, really bad night's sleep that night. Um, He's, like, tossing and turning. And he's really creepily awoken in the middle of the night. Yes. By the sound of a lady sobbing.
1: He says the muffled, strangling gasp of one who is torn by an uncontrollable sorrow. Which is awful it's awful it's really good writing that's like such a descriptive sentence but I hate it
0: it really is but it's so evocative where I'm like "Mm, no yeah (laughs) I don't need a sad lady ghost walking around outside of my room (laughs) in the middle of the night no thank you no oh I would be so out of myself
1: yes there's demons in the head it doesn't need to be external as well I would be out of there the next morning
0: Yeah. Another logical moment, though, because Watson the next morning immediately talks to Henry about what he heard.
1: Yes, I do. Henry's like, yeah, I heard that shit, too. What the fuck was that? (laughs) Yes. They communicate pretty well, honestly. They do. Mm -hmm.
0: I expected Watson to just, like, keep that to himself and be freaking out about it. But, uh, no, they think that it's Mrs. Barrymore. Yeah. And she was kind of caught crying. And then Watson notices that her face is very swollen.
1: Yeah. But Mr. Barrymore was like, Oh no, I don't know. So he's like lying, but clearly she was crying. Right. Yeah. But he
0: doesn't want them to know why, or that she's even upset at all,
1: which is sketchy. It is sketchy. And Watson has a little moment where he thinks to himself like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't think that he was the kind of person that would abuse her. But he, like, keeps an eye on him for that kind of behavior.
0: Yeah, I mean, Watson's very intuitive here. I feel like when he, we always pair him up with Holmes. And yeah. Holmes notices every little detail. So Watson doesn't, I feel like, get enough credit. But, like, because he's by himself, he really yeah. he really is perceptive and is trying his best to, like, gather any and all information that he can.
1: It is kind of nice to have on top of things. Watson by himself.
0: Yeah, bit. I really liked that aspect of this story. Yeah. Where he's doing most of the investigating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next day, he goes to visit the postmaster. He wants to know if that telegraph was actually delivered to Barrymore. And he finds out that the delivery boy handed it to Mrs. Barrymore, who came to the door. And she said that Mr. Barrymore wasn't available to come to the door at the moment because he was up in basically like the attic. At the moment, working. Yeah.
1: So there isn't technically any evidence that it wasn't Barrymore in London. Right. Suspicious.
0: There's no proof. He has no alibi for not being a stalker in a cab. And as Watson's (laughs) going back to Baskerville Hall, he bumps into this man Mr. Jack Stapleton, who owns Merripit House.
1: Yeah, this man is immediately kind of strange. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> a real weirdo right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> and not a creepy weirdo. He's got, like, a uh, insect next. Net-, net. Which, okay, I like etymology. I like insect people. You know, we are natural people here no shame against that but he's like you know the weird animal people he's like he just seems he comes across as just like a big old dork in kind of an off-putting way like i love butterflies and bugs but
0: yeah (laughs) he just it looks just seems real awkward and watson is just kind of put off by him in general
1: yeah and he starts telling him about the superstitions about the moor and that he does believe that the legend of the hound is linked to Charles's death. Maybe not in, like, oh, this hound actually killed him, but at least it, like, drove him mad a little bit.
0: Yeah, he, he Jack Stapleton definitely thinks that, like, he's kind of in agreement with the doctor that, like, there's already this power of suggestion, like, curse situation mm-hmm. you've been told your whole life. And then you start seeing this big black dog or any dog And it's going to start getting to you eventually. Yeah. Uh, And he thinks that it really contributed to Charles's mental health.
1: I did not realize that J.K. Rowling totally ripped off this story for the Grimm in Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. It's super hard.
0: I also had the realization as I was reading this uh, that, wow. It's like... Ghost Dogs of
1: Moonlake. Oh, wait. <laughs> it is also like Ghost Dogs of Lake.
0: It is exactly. Like uh, the whole dog aspect of the game. I was, especially at the end, I was like, oh, this is this is Ghost Dogs. Wow. <laughs> I think
1: <Okay. had> not. <laughs> Man, this inspired
0: so much. I think that's why I like going back to these old classics. Because yeah. you see the like little tidbits of so many different other mysteries that came after.
1: Yes. Oh, and for reference, that's a Nancy Drew. Oh, yes, that's a Nancy <laughs> Drew
0: game that we really like. Yes. <laughs> you should go play it. But yeah, so he walks with Jack, um Jack invites him to his house. He wants to show him his estate and have him meet his sister. So they're walking together and he's Sort of telling Watson all about like the mire, which is the particularly boggy section of the moor that's like actually legitimately a dangerous yes. place.
1: Yeah. And as he's saying it, there is a literal horse succumbing to it in the distance. it's Horrible. The horse horrible. is dying while they walk.
0: Yeah, it. they just walk past a horse slowly. Struggling Thinking. and sinking into this bog. And th- I mean, there's nothing they can do for it. I mean, the most no. that you could do for it at that point is like, shoot it. Right. But totally, yeah. they can't pull it out. It's just, it's awful. It's awful to witness. It's truly terrible. And I think he mentions at this point, I'm not sure if it comes up now or later, but he mentions Dr. Mortimer's dog has recently gone missing and that they expect it like ran out onto Mm -hmm. the mire and is also probably dead in the same way that this horse died.
1: And he boasts that he can successfully get across it because he knows how he figured it all out. He's
0: like, I know where all basically like where all the solid spots are that are safe to step
1: on to get out across. I would probably never try my luck at that kind of thing. If mm-mm. animals are literally sinking into it. No. <laughs> yeah, no, just. Mm-mm. <laughs> I don't even like walking across a creek bottom. That's really muddy sometimes. Cause I'm like, there's moccasins down here. Mm, oh yeah. Well, and even, yeah, just like a little
0: creek bottom. If it's, like, silty and muddy, even mm-hmm. that starts to suck you in. Yeah. You start sinking into that, starts trying to take your shoes off, and <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's kind of crazy how how strong that can be. Yeah. So, just as he's, they're kind of approaching the house, he literally spots
1: a moth and runs off <laughs> and goes with and his chases net. <laughs> it. And, like, pretty hops across the mire to get it, which <laughs> I really liked that at first I was like oh he's a cute little bug man yeah,
0: he says excuse me an instant it surely is a cyclopodes, and runs away <laughs>
1: so cute <laughs> so nerdy I love people that are super passionate about yes. something like that yeah. <laughs> but I like
0: legitimately laughed because it's just so goofy and I was like this man ooh. man
1: um, <laughs> The other day at work, we were riding in a truck. There were three of us. And one of my coworkers really loves fox squirrels. And we literally, the truck didn't even stop. He goes, fox squirrel. And he like opens the door of the moving car and jumps oh out gosh. to go get Amazing. a picture of it. It was pretty good. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Yeah. Enthusiasm about whatever it is that you're enthusiastic about is genuinely one of the most endearing endearing. characteristics that a human can
1: have (laughs) this guy loses that quality pretty quick but but
0: for a minute i was like wow i love this happy little bug man (laughs) (laughs) yes his Um, sister sister, barrel
1: is that her name barrel
0: wait a sec yeah yeah barrel b-e-r-y-l she walks up to watson as she's coming out of the house he notes that um her skin color he I think Watson calls her exotic there the, he says like there's something exotic and tropical about her her coloring and I was like ooh <laughs> oh, I don't like that okay um yeah I kind of I like cringed a little a, a bit at that and there's then a... was just like I guess she's just got a deep tan yeah. and he's like just noting that she like Clearly spends a lot of time outdoors in the sun mm-hmm. and it's just like has like that sun-kissed skin
1: look. Yeah, there's a few things that didn't age very well in this. movie. No, but uh, before he even like says anything to her, she's like, go away, leave. You need to leave the more right now. It's super dangerous. Goodbye.
0: Yes. <laughs> she <laughs> issues him a very stark warning and tells him it's a very dangerous place. You need to leave the more at once. And Jack comes back at this point, and it kind of comes out that she thought that Watson was Henry Baskerville. Yeah,
1: and she later retracts her statement of warning, but she doesn't say anything about it in front of her brother. Like, for some reason, she doesn't want him to know that she's issuing warnings to people. Right. It's clear that she's trying
0: to keep some sort of secret from him in regards to warning people to stay off of the moor and stay away from the Baskerville Manor. And um, Watson's very put off, like, he's just, like, weirded out by the whole thing. Yeah, fair. I mean, right, like, it's the warning, receiving the warning was weird, and then it was weird how she, like, tries to hide it surreptitiously from her brother. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's like, okay, well, it's nice to meet you guys, and starts walking back to Baskerville Hall by himself, and she, like, doubles back around. Runs.
1: To meet up with yeah, men.
0: catches him on his way back to Baskerville Hall and is like, actually, I do want to uh, warn you for sure that Henry should definitely leave the more. <laughs> Henry
1: he should, should not go be away. here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And Watson's like, what the fuck? Okay. Again?
1: You're, yeah, warning again? Yeah. Um. Very strange. Very, very strange. And then she runs back. She's like, I can't... My brother can't know that I was here. So. She's like, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which, you know, she's running in like heels and a big ass dress. Oh, a
1: huge dress. Probably with like a million layers. Corset. <laughs> <laughs> the effort. The effort.
0: Yeah. So I think the next chapter is just like a letter to Holmes from Watson. And this is one of the parts where I... Really feel for Watson getting so duped because this whole chapter is a long chapter and it's all supposed to be this handwritten letter to
1: Holmes. Yes. It's so much effort. I don't know how I felt about these chapters. I really like broken text, probably just because I'm like a child, but it was a lot of really long paragraphs. This is when I was getting into the really, really, really long paragraphs and I was like, there needs to be some sort of indentation here for my brain. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I didn't struggle with that as much, but I was reading a physical copy like of actual- the book, and so you can like see the breaks coming up. Yeah, mine even if they are was really really like
1: big- four pages of straight words, one <laughs> paragraph. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean they even in the book they take up like a page and a half. sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of tiny tiny text.
1: Anyways, it was neat to hear it from his perspective, kind of like a diary right. entry.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's filling Holmes in on. Basically everything he's learned. Firstly, he tells him the local suspect Selden, which is the serial killer convict, uh, has successfully escaped and left the area, which has
1: kind of calmed everybody down. He suspects that Henry has taken a liking to Beryl Stapleton, the sister of Bug Guy, uh, and he describes her as looking different from her brother. Mm-hmm.
0: Different in skin tone to her brother. Yeah, like, they don't favor each other very much.
1: And he mentions that Jack is, like, controlling her a little bit. Maybe in a way that's actually kind of concerning. Mm, I mean, clearly she's scared of
0: him. Uh, Jack took Watson and Henry out on the moor where Hugo's suspected to have met his fate. Uh, There's, like, two big stones that, like, stick up out of the moor in a clearing. So it's, like, a kind of a notable spot. Yeah, Hugo, the
1: original... Og. Oh, yes, Hugo.
0: Yeah, the original terrible, terrible man. The horrible guy that really deserved it. Yep. <laughs> he deserved everything that he had come to him. <laughs> yes.
1: Kidnapping women. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Watson also suspects Jack does not approve of the romance that's potentially blossoming between his sister and Henry Baskerville, that he really seems to be putting a damper on that. Like, anytime they try to take a walk together, he invites himself along, or anytime... He comes over for dinner he makes sure he's there like he does not want them alone together at all
1: and through this we learn that watson has met mr franklin which is another neighbor this guy has a way bigger part in the show than he does mm-hmm. in this but in this he's eccentric old he <laughs>
0: This, I love this
1: character. <laughs> I
0: don't. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I like him as like a person, but I... <laughs> yeah. Characters like this are almost like cartoonish to me, and I find them quite funny because... Yeah. Ugh, like, what a, what a horrible, like genuinely like pain in the ass kind of a person.
1: <laughs> He's a lawyer, and he literally just starts arguments for the sake of starting an argument, which in real life I would despise. Right. He's basically
0: retired and spends his retirement doing what he did for a living. And he just starts up lawsuits about anything and everything that he can. He's currently running seven different lawsuits. Crazy. And he's preparing to start a a new one against Dr. Mortimer because he opened a grave without notifying the next of kin, despite the fact that this grave was a Neolithic grave there was a group of neolithic people that used to live out on this moor, And there's like old stone dwellings that they lived in. Um, and so there's like a lot of archeological evidence. Yeah.
1: It's archeology. span It's
0: and he's <laughs> like, I can't believe you want notify the next of kin. It's like, they've been dead
1: for. Hundreds of years. <laughs> How would you know who that is?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's one of those types. I think he just makes me feel like he's like a, Disney character villain that's just just bumbling (laughs) in a a really annoyingly evil way. (laughs) (laughs) He's like mostly harmless, though, like not. But Watson's not all that concerned about him. No, he's not.
1: Although he does seem to win his lawsuits. So right. He's good at what he does. He's just a pain in
0: everyone's ass.
1: (laughs) And lastly, he talks about the Barrymore's basically he says that he doesn't trust Mr. Barrymore. He thinks he's lying about receiving the telegraph. He maybe suspects him of what he calls to be a domestic tyrant uh, because Mm -hmm. Mrs. Barrymore is like always unhappy. And the night before he was writing this, he heard steps outside of his door in the middle of the night. And when he opened it, he actually saw Mr. Barrymore carrying a candle to an empty bedroom down the hall where he put this candle up to the window, groaned and put it out and then went back to his room. Really weird. So weird. So weird. weird.
0: But very clearly sending somebody a signal. Like, I feel like leave the candle in the window or like leave a light on like that. Is, is that immediately system. where your,
1: your mind went? Oh, yeah. As
0: soon as he held that candle <sighs> up to the window, I was like, this man is signaling to somebody
1: not what i thought
0: at all all i just feel like this has come up and so like they do this in a lot of oh yeah
1: i don't know now i feel silly i was like what is he looking at out there like is he searching for the hound is he scared i don't know
0: i mean i'm sure that's what you're meant to think like i think that's the dude here is that you played me you want <laughs> <laughs> he got you. <laughs> he got me. But yeah, so once again Watson tells Henry what he saw Barrymore do and they make a whole little plan to stay up all night and they're going to they're like two little kids. They're like <laughs> we're going to have a stakeout and <laughs> we're going to wait until he walks by and we're going to follow him. <laughs> yeah. Um and then they go about their day and Henry is like super insistent on going on a walk on the moor by himself, which
1: he's Watson, going to me. better Watson. <laughs> yeah. He like knows what's up. Yeah. But... He does. He's like, I don't want to insist on going with him because he's trying to romance. He's trying to woo this woman, but also I promised Sherlock that I wouldn't leave him alone. So he so, decides to stop him. I'll follow them. <laughs> yeah. And he does. I think it's good that he does this because he oversees jack stapleton like rushing up to them and having a whole fit about it oh yeah
0: throws a whole tantrum about them being together and then henry ends up walking home alone
1: yeah and and watson like pops out of the bushes and is like i was here the whole time (laughs) and henry's like what the fuck
0: man (laughs) he's like understandably like i I wish you wouldn't have but okay (laughs) he tells him that uh he plans to propose marriage to Miss Stapleton, but that Jack objects to this very much.
1: But he does actually apologize pretty quickly and he invites him to come over to their house for dinner, I believe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, to the Stapleton's house. Like Jack comes over to Bassierville Hall and apologizes. And invites them to dinner.
1: Which is the next night or something. It's not the night that they stake out Barrymore.
0: Right. It's in like a couple days. So Henry and Watson, do they do their little midnight snooping on Barrymore. And I think the first night that they try this, nothing happens. They like both end up falling asleep, totally miss him.
1: <laughs> and
0: have to try again the next night, which I feel like is very realistic. Like that would be me. <laughs>
1: so, I'd be like, yeah, sure, like I'll children. stay up.
0: Like, five minutes later, I'm out.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna fall asleep during this movie. No, I'm good. Stop. I'm out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gone. But yeah, they do. They they manage to catch him and they confront him right then and there. Uh actually and but he refuses to tell them anything because he says that, like it's not necessarily yeah. my secret to tell it concerns people besides me and I don't want to get other people in trouble.
1: Which is props to him but they pressure the shit out of him. They're like oh, you're literally yeah. fired we're gonna blackmail you <laughs> <laughs> Henry is not fucking around. He wants answers. They really yeah
0: pressure him into it um, but his wife Mrs. Barrymore actually arrives and confesses her brother is the escaped convict,
1: and he's still out there. Quite a
0: reveal. I did not see this coming. I did no, not. I figured either. it was probably. I figured the convict was probably still out there. Yeah. I didn't really connect that that would be who Barrymore was trying to signal anything to. But yeah, this kind of surprised me. Um, it's her brother, and he's still out there, starving on the moor, and they've been kind of like sneaking food supplies out to him.
1: Yeah, and- at night. He's basically like he's a total disgrace and we all are super disappointed in him, but he's also my family and I have to take care of him.
0: Right. Like he's my little brother. I can't just like leave him to die. But they are basically setting him up and preparing to help him flee the country.
1: Yeah. He's going to Mexico.
0: Yeah. Like South America. So I don't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, He's leaving. He's leaving. they are not in denial about, how, well, like a heinous individual he is. Right. They just basically are like, well, we're hoping if we just get him out of the country that nobody else will be in danger. Or at least nobody the people here. in South America will be in danger. Uh, We don't care about them. Yeah, both.
1: right. We just we'll want, just want unleash a serial community killer on them. to be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Watson and Henry are like, we're going to go get him, right? <laughs>
0: Right, like we're definitely gonna go catch this dude. Yeah, so they grab some guns and
1: they run out onto the moor, armed and dangerous. And they actually do see him, he's hiding among some boulders and he runs away and he definitely escapes from them. Like they oh, did so the easily. Chance. I
0: feel like they never stood a chance. <laughs> no, they like see him from way away. And it's so I googled pictures of moors just to make sure I was visualizing things correctly. Yeah. And it's it's like a really like wide open space with like some rock formations. So like there's not a ton of places to hide. hide.
1: Yeah. I don't and know this how man they lost just him. hippity hops away from them like it's <laughs> I nothing. Don't know how they lost him. But on their little jaunt,
0: they hear this really awful haunting cry that sounds like a dog howling on the wind. It's just like a really terrible, awful noise. And Watson, up on top of some nearby boulders, sees like a really tall, thin man silhouetted against the moon. Yeah,
1: arms crossed, staring down at them far away.
0: Mm -hmm. But then as soon as Watson goes to take a second glance, he's gone.
1: I was like, man, there's another person out here. Right, I was like, (laughs) who's this guy?
0: The intrigue. The intrigue. But yeah, in the next few days, it's really clear to watson that noise that they heard is like really affecting henry
1: yes he thinks it's the hound and he's scared for himself which i probably would be too he's always been sort of nervous about the curse but i feel
0: like he was kind of brushing it off until this moment Mm -hmm. yeah where something about it made it very real for him yeah
1: It's, I mean, it's an actual sensory thing that he experienced. I get Mm -hmm. it. It's not just superstition anymore. Right.
0: Yeah. No, I totally get it. And so he's, the paranoia is really sinking in for Henry. And um, Watson is really bothered by the fact that there's another person out on the moor. And then, so basically, a couple days go by with different things happening. So Barrymore requests that the two men... Keep the secret about Selden. They explain that they're helping him leave the country, and he also tells them that he knows Charles was standing at the gate to the moor that night because he was waiting to meet someone. Yeah,
1: a woman with the initials LL, and that is because he found a letter that was mostly burned, and actually the rest of the letter crumbled in his hands, but it had like a date and time to meet this woman, LL, at that place. So Watson immediately rides Holmes to inform him of this woman. Mm -hmm. And he goes to Dr. Mortimer, who informs him that there actually is a lady living alone. Ah, Oh, my God, she's living alone. Ah. Oh, the drama.
0: (laughs) The (laughs) embarrassment. She's like, I think she's supposed to be in her, like, what, like, maybe mid to late 20s? Yeah. Living alone. Living
1: alone. Oh. (laughs) a shame. a a neighboring town named Coom Tracy, named Laura Lyons. And, oh, my God, she's got scandals about her.
0: Mm. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So, and then that night, Barrymore tells Watson Selden told him about the other man living in hiding on the moor, but that he is not a criminal. The other guy is not a criminal. And that he
1: has someone bringing him food every day or bringing him <laughs> something. Right. Uh, so Watson actually goes into Coombe Tracy to meet this Laura Lyons. And he asks her about Charles. Uh, he like kind of plays her a little bit. He's trying to snoop without really giving the game away. He goes full Nancy on her. A little he bit. does yeah. for sure. And she doesn't she doesn't really give him all that much to begin with until he pressures her quite a bit.
0: But she does admit to writing to Charles the day of his death, but says that she didn't end up going out to meet him. Like she bailed on their meeting. And she says that the letter requested his help. Financially, basically, because gasp, she's a single woman living alone, but she's not actually single.
1: Nope, she is
0: married. She's married and wants a divorce, and um basically can't afford the divorce. And so she's reaching out to Charles because he has been supporting the like locals, and so she wants help financially to deal with this divorce and to kind of help her out as she will be a single woman and she.
1: Won't have anyone to take care yes, of. Yes. And she says that Jack Stapleton was actually the one that introduced her and Charles. Oh, yes. That's right. I
0: had forgotten that um, detail. Yeah. It was all Jack's idea for them to, you know, he introduced them on purpose and everything. And Watson's still, like, suspicious of her, but he can't really get anything else out of her. Yeah. (laughs) There's lines that don't meet here, but he can't fill in the blanks. He's not sure what else is going on here, but he knows there's something else going on here.
1: Yeah, so he then goes to uh, Mr. Franklin, the crazy old lawyer man, who is actually (laughs) Laura's father. Oh. So he goes to talk to him a little bit about that, but what he really learns from this, other than being bored to death with lawyer stories <laughs> 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 is that he has seen the child, a child, who is bringing that man on the moor things every single night, and he shows him, like, where exactly he is going. So, Watson, Right,
0: light bulb. Boop. Yeah, and the, the way he knows this is he has a telescope, which he uses to <laughs> right. spy on everyone he can spy on. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird
1: creepy.
0: <laughs> and yeah, at first he's like there's somebody out on the moor and Watson's like oh shit, he knows about the criminal out there. He right. he knows about the Barrymores, they're going to get in trouble. And then he's like there's this kid taking food out there. Come look through my telescope. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you. And what do you know? There goes the kid yeah. taking a bundle of food. Um and the kid was taking the food to like those old stone dwellings. So Watson
1: runs out onto the moor. And so he goes up to these stone dwellings. He finds one that has clearly been inhabited for a little bit. And he goes inside and sees like a cot, books, like a kettle thingy. And he actually finds a note that says Dr. Watson has gone to Coombe Tracy. Creepy. So this creeped me out a little bit. It I did. like, hey, I don't like that. Yes. <laughs> He's, like, alone in this old abandoned building stone thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: It's basically a cave, like, where they've hollowed out the rock a little bit. And so Watson, who has his pistol on him, to his credit, um, decides to kind of tuck away in a dark corner and wait for this guy to return. Fuck no. Absolutely not. Watson is way braver than me,
1: which is not a high bar, but... It's true. Same. But it's crazy. I cannot believe he waits for this person to come back. And I love the ending of this chapter. (laughs) He hears a voice, very familiar to him, that says, It's a lovely evening, my dear Watson. I really think that you will be more comfortable outside than in. (laughs) And you know he was like, God damn it. Watson gets so (laughs) excited, though. It's so cute.
0: (laughs) I know. He's like, he's really quiet. Well, because I think he was, you know... Understandably, a little bit nervous and scared. And so the relief that it's someone you know, and of course, someone you know very well, is great. But also, he's like, in his letters, you can tell that he's kind of been like missing Holmes's company. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's adorable. I love it. Yeah, like this reunion is quite cute. (laughs) He's like, what are you doing here? And yeah, it's very sweet. They spend this whole chapter like exchanging their notes on the case, and Holmes reveals to Watson. He's like, "Oh yeah, I've been here the whole time." He's,
1: he 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 never had anything in London or if he did I he did the it same quickly,
0: you did, my friend. Yeah.
1: He so said I just couldn't I couldn't be as involved. I needed to observe from afar. So I totally duped you.
0: <laughs> and he was like, "I needed to dupe everyone else and basically says the thing like, if you knew it wouldn't have been believable." Yeah. So you also had to think that I was in London. Um so he's been having all of Watson's letters delivered to him out on this moor by that same kid.
1: Yeah. Who is in this London? kid? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, this poor kid. The kid's been bringing him food and he's been living out on the moor and gathering as much
1: evidence as he can. And he's got a big bomb to drop. So he reveals Jack Stapleton and Miss Laura Lyons have a secret affair. And her planned divorce is intended so that she can marry jack however this is the part that i was like what <laughs> i know
0: me too that feels like a big enough reveal and yes for sure
1: but holy shit okay beryl is not jack stapleton's sister she's his wife which
0: at this point i was like "Uh." Um. Because old the time they were talking about how their skin tone is so different. And yeah, I was thinking that they had like maybe different parents, like there was something like a different mother or father, you know, but they were like half siblings. But yeah, no, it turns out she is his wife and they met in South America. So it makes that comment earlier about mm. her being exotic and tropical yeah. even more like maybe not.
1: Let's not. Yeah. I was shocked by this. I did not like it. And I was also like, why would you lie about something like that?
0: Right. Which Watson asked the same question. He's like, well, why would he introduce his wife to this community when they moved here as his sister before he even knew Laura Lyons yeah. and they started an affair? Why would he want people to think that his wife is his sister? Yeah. It's weird. It's very weird. Super weird.
1: And they also conclude that it was Jack Stapleton who was following them in London. And it was Beryl who sent them the warning in London. Because she's been warning everybody this whole time to not come yes. back. She's doing her best. So clearly, Mr. Stapleton is not a good guy. Or Mr. Yes. Bugman is actually not
0: good actually a real creep um and yeah holmes thinks that he wanted to uh, have his wife appear as a free woman basically so that he could manipulate the people there like he came Mm -hmm. they moved there with the intention of manipulating people around them and he wanted her to be free to play whatever role he needed Mm -hmm. her to play
1: which is disgusting it's gross On so many levels. Mm -hmm.
0: He's just really slimy. Icky. My whole, like, mental picture of this man changed with this chapter.
1: For sure. I totally agree. Like, yes, like, a little mousy, cute little bug person, entomologist, turned into, like, slimy, greasy, gross man. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah, he went from, like, bumbling to, like,
1: sinister and creepy Mm -hmm. very quickly. While they are talking, they hear a cry across the moor and then a yell and a thud. So they say, shit, Henry, I left (laughs) him alone. I've been here way too long without him and they star sprinted.
0: (laughs) And they come
1: across a dead body.
0: This man that they find is face down. Wearing Henry's clothes. Wearing Henry's clothes. And he has clearly... Run off the top of one of the rock formations and fall into his death. Yeah. Um, so, like, something scared him bad enough that he jumped or ran off of the rock. I think they see pawper. They do. And so they're like, oh, shit. But they kind of roll him over and realize that it is not Henry. It is, in fact, the convict who was wearing Henry's clothes, which were given to him by Barrymore and his wife to, like, help him. Leave the country.
1: Yeah, so clearly someone thought this was Henry and tried to kill him with their dog. Right, and the
0: dog was tracking Henry's scent, which is on his clothes, which meant that he
1: ran down the wrong man. Yeah, and basically they're like, we're just gonna leave this body here until morning because they're on the moor at night. Mm -hmm. But guess who walks up while they're inspecting the body? Who walks up?
0: It's Stapleton.
1: Oh, he does! Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're standing
0: there like talking about it, and they've just realized it's not Henry. And then Jack runs up.
1: Oh wow! Which is even more incriminating, right?
0: And it's Watson's watching him, and he watches his face, and he's like, he's clearly shocked that it's it's not not Henry. Yeah, but he hides it really quickly.
1: Yes, yeah. And ooh, yeah. So they know it's him. Like it's Stapleton he's the bad guy in this story but they don't have any evidence to arrest him so they have to try to catch him in an act of evil
0: right yeah the evidence is not going to stand up in court and they know that he basically knows his time is running out and clearly is like kind of getting kind of desperate so they're like we're going to let things play out
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and <laughs> which is always a good plan literally Never goes wrong.
1: Sherlock's <laughs> plan is to use Henry as bait <laughs>
0: It never goes wrong. This always goes well in the story. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good idea. Oh, <laughs> uh, and poor Henry is unwilling, unknowing bait as well. Yes. Like he yeah. is not aware of this situation.
1: Yeah, poor Henry. Yeah, they tell the Barry Morris this convict has been killed, but they like don't tell Henry. They're just like Henry, go to the Stapletons for dinner, like you were gonna do. Like act like nothing's wrong. They fill him in,
0: right? That like something happened, but they are like, in order to catch who did it, we need you to just pretend that everything's normal. Yeah. So like he doesn't know he's bait, but he knows that he like he's a part of a plan, right? And he and his part of the plan is to just like act like everything is normal and nothing's up, and just go about his business and go to dinner at the Stapletons tomorrow.
1: Yeah. So while they're talking, Holmes is, like, staring at one of the family portraits on the wall. And after Henry leaves this conversation, Holmes points it out to Watson and said, this is the portrait of Hugo Baskerville, and it looks exactly like Jack Stapleton. Mm -hmm. So, another big reveal. They cover up, like, the
0: hair, and Watson is like, oh, my God, it's him. (laughs) Yep.
1: He's a Baskerville. A secret Baskerville. Uh, Yeah, so...
0: Yeah, the next day, Henry has to keep his engagement with the Stapletons for dinner. They tell him that he has to walk back to Baskerville Hall alone across the
1: moor. And he's like, what? And make sure that the Stapletons know that. Yeah.
0: Make sure that he's going to walk home alone. Nobody's with him. And he, this poor man is like, what? I know. That's
1: the opposite of what you told me to do. (laughs) Literally what you've been concerned about this whole time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And holmes has sent a telegraph to Lestrade, which if you're unfamiliar with the sherlock holmes universe is a police officer in london like a high up one who apparently in the books has a much better rapport with sherlock than he does in the show in Um, the show he kind (laughs) of not hates but
0: he's very annoyed by sherlock's antics (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) Um, and Lestrade's plan is to actually come in that afternoon because he trusts that Sherlock will be able to catch this guy and he'll arrest him. Yeah.
0: So yeah, they basically send Henry over to the Stapletons, and Holmes and Lestrade and Watson follow him and like stake out behind some rocks,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they spy on them at dinner. But they come to find that only Jack and Henry are downstairs at dinner. Beryl is nowhere to be found which is weird yeah and then jack freaking creepo
1: what's a creepo in the
0: middle of dinner excuses himself and sneaks out the back door of the house goes to a shed in the orchard and watson is the one spying on him doing all this and he like hears this like scuffling sound and then jack comes back into just sits back down
1: the house and sits back yeah. down like
0: this scene yeah. is so creepy when you play it out in your head it's
1: so weird that's where people like serial killers keep their like dead animals in yes. creepy sheds i i hate just i hated this
0: scene i was visualizing it i was like this is so creepy and the tension would be so high but yeah. ugh, so dinner finally ends and henry leaves the house and they note that as evening the evening goes on that like this really dense, thick fog is rolling in. And Holmes is like getting pretty anxious about it as yeah. they're waiting for Henry to leave. Cause he's like, We only have so much time and he really needs to leave to see him
1: once it hits. Yeah. And he's every right to be concerned because almost immediately after Henry leaves, a hound comes running after him, like chasing him was supposedly fire bursting from its mouth and glowing eyes like ghost dogs I been like,-hmm. And so they all like sprint after him. they're like on a mission to get this hound, and they literally kill the dog. Hannah. Hannah I know. Hannah. It's
0: very upsetting. They because I mean, this this dog, it's like when they kill like fighting dogs. It's like they've been bred to be vicious. They've been bred to be mean and awful. And there's no way they're going to be rehomed. But also, I'm like... It hurts the soul. Surely there's something we can do besides just killing them. It's like (laughs)
1: my heart reading this wanted to...
0: It was awful. I thought the horse dying in the mire Mm -hmm. scene earlier in the book was tough. But yeah, Yeah. they I mean, they shoot this dog to death. They have
1: no remorse.
0: No, they really don't. I think that's what makes it so hard because like it was necessary. It was going to kill Henry. Yeah. But also like they don't seem to think it's a pity at all that this poor dog was like caught up in this whole situation. And Would it
1: have killed Henry? Because the dog has yet to kill anyone. People got scared to death by it. People ran off of cliffs. It hasn't killed anyone. It
0: did kill another dog. It ate Mortimer's dog. They find the bones of Mortimer's oh, dog.
1: Okay. I still, <laughs> I don't like it.
0: No, I mean, it's not the. it's bottom line is it's not the dog's fault because it's, it's literally been bred to hunt
1: and kill And And they're just like, oh, it's super clever that this guy had phosphorus (laughs) in its eyes and mouth to make it glow. (laughs) Like you just murdered an animal.
0: It's rough, especially if you're a dog lover. But they search the house for Jack. They find upstairs in his creepy bug room, he has has an entomology display, which actually I think can be quite aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it's kind of cool. However. But he has like a whole room of displayed bugs and he has tied his sister or his his wife wife, up in the center of the room and and gagged her. her. Ah! Just awful. It's so awful. And she tells them, yeah, I knew he was going to try and do something tonight and I confronted him about it. And so he just tied me up. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah,
1: and she immediately turns on him and she's like, I'll help you find him. Yeah, she's <laughs> like,
0: fuck that dude, man. Like, I <laughs> have been trying. I knew he's been trying to pull this whole scheme off this entire time. He sucks. I will help you find him. And she tells him, she tells them that he has like markers on his little secret trail out to the middle of the mine. Yeah, he planted flowers. That, that's how that they can follow him out there. And
1: they get to a mine it's an old tin mine where he is hiding out and where he has kept this dog i guess no the dog was in the shed was it? uh
0: it was both like i think he keeps the dog out in the moor oh, on he this just in this tin mine shed and he had like night. brought it to the shed yes. that night yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah so they follow jack's trail and they find traces of him but they don't find any sign of him and basically they conclude that like he's dead he got got he got got i mean he must have because he ran out there in the fog yeah they had to wait until the fog lifted to walk out but he in his you know panic ran out in the middle of the fog and they think he just lost the path and is dead Uh in the bog somewhere
1: and that's all you ever hear about (laughs) that's a brutal way to go
0: out it makes me think of like because a lot of the like human mummies that we find nowadays are like bog mummies because people get completely like preserved in the bogs. Yeah. It like preserves you for so much longer than human mummification Horrible. does. It's yeah, it's really awful. That makes it worse. Cause it makes it feel like their bodies aren't like breaking down now, out there and going back into the earth. There's sometimes. just a bunch of like dead bodies. Dead bodies
1: floating in this oh. like mud pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty it's terrible.
0: It's like the Lord of the Rings. There's a whole chapter in the Lord of the Rings where they go through a creepy ass bog with a bunch of bodies in it.
1: Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Yeah, it's like
0: a war happened a long time ago and the bodies are like a lot of the bodies are like still there.
1: They're preserved.
0: Ew! Okay. It's really creepy. It's one of my least favorite parts of that whole story. But (laughs) (laughs) they they just presume him dead. And they, they find where he was holding the dog, which they find the skeleton of Dr. Mortimer's dog. Yeah, they basically conclude that he had been hatching this whole plan. It was a very long, slow... He was playing the long game here. For sure. And wanted to be the last Baskerville alive so that he could claim this very very expensive estate
1: yep all for the house and the money and yeah that's the story of the hound of the baskervilles that's basically it how did you feel about this let's go ahead and
0: rate the or like final thoughts and rate the book
1: um i give it a three and a half no a four mm, 3.75 <laughs> <laughs> This happens every time. If it's not five
0: stars, we always have like a really weird in-between rating.
1: <laughs> I just, I I really, really appreciate it as the original content that spurred so much other media. I, I think it's great for that purpose. Um, I did get a little bored sometimes. I don't know. I wonder if I just like, I'm at a lower reading level that it doesn't like keep my interest as much. Uh, And I didn't love the animals dying. Yeah. But I mean, overall I did enjoy it. I can see why other like spinoffs have happened. I also see why the spinoffs change things though.
0: Yeah. We will definitely talk about that, but I agree for the most part. I think I was trying to remember, and it's been so long since I've read other, Sherlock Holmes stories so I don't really want to compare it to other yeah. Holmes stories because it's there's too long of a gap there for me but I did really enjoy it though like I said earlier I think I just have a certain attachment to the like old-fashioned style mystery writing Yeah and when I read this for the podcast and was taking notes I think I read it like a day and a half cuz I just got like sucked in <laughs>
1: nice.
0: Um but yeah a couple things I wanted to just note about the book okay was that the part where watson is chasing he and henry are chasing the criminal down yeah and he has his pistol on him yeah i i pulled a quote from the book he says because he they're asked like later like why he didn't shoot him down yeah and he says, a lucky shot of my revolver might have crippled him, but I had brought it only to defend myself if attacked and not to shoot an unarmed man who was running away. And I was like, yes, I did like that well, line. Damn, if this is the most topical shit I've ever <laughs> I was like, how oh. can Sir Arthur Conan Doyle understand this concept in 1901? Yeah. And police in 2023 cannot get this shit straight. <laughs> like, I don't.
1: Yikes, Tana, You're right. I know. It it's a it heavy hurts. topic, but I read that and I was like, damn. Damn. <laughs> for fuck's sake. It is. It's like sake. basic human decency. Like, even if you are at war, you don't fight an unarmed person.
0: Right. And most wars, like... Or you evenly it, match the playing field. Right. It's sickening. And I read that line and it just kind of... It pulled me out of the story for a minute because I was like, Ugh. Ugh. But... Anyways, uh, I wanted to yeah. know that. And then the second one is a little more fun because in the first letter, Holmes, or that Watson writes to Holmes, he's talking about like the solar system and the stars that are out on the moor and how pretty they are. And he's talking about how he recalls a case where Holmes said he didn't care if the Earth circled the sun or vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> right. And There's a there's a different episode of Sherlock. Sherlock. Yeah, 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 yeah where Watson solves a case by noting uh, something specific about space. And Watson's like, what, you didn't know that? And Holmes is like, why would I know that? It is not relevant to anything that I would encounter on a daily basis. (laughs) Right, yeah. There is more important information that can be in that spot in my brain. (laughs) Yes,
1: he does, I think, even say in the book that you have to, like, make room for all of the information in your brain. So, like, things have to go for you to put other things in there. And it's like relevancy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very interesting.
0: That's all I had about that. And then there's a couple other things I had, but we'll talk about them when we get to them in the other, the other two things.
1: All right. So we're going to do the game next because there's like not as much to it. It's very much a point and click, like puzzly game sort of. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's categorized as a hidden object game is what yes, they're called. There's where, a
1: lot of I spy things. Yes,
0: like a lot of I spy puzzles. Which but I, I mean, there's other puzzles as well. But for the most part, it's a hidden object game. And I mean, we played it. We I enjoyed it
1: well enough. Oh, for sure. At a yeah. time. It was just really chill. If you want to watch us play it, get on YouTube at Hannah Fur. Gaming? Hannaford. I think just Hannaford. Just Hannaford. Yeah, uh,
0: it was good. For the most part, the story in the game is the same. There's like the legend of the Hound of the Baskervilles and Holmes and Watson are brought to Baskerville Hall to solve this case.
1: Henry is with you the whole time. Henry's there.
0: Um, And I think the bones of it are the same. The game kind of has you, like it makes this system where like there's coats of arms on the wall, which I did pull a quote from the book if you compare it to the, the visuals in the game is pretty close actually. So it's describing like the, the main hall of Baskerville hall. Mm -hmm. And it says in the great old fashioned fireplace behind the high iron dogs, a Mm. log fire crackled and snapped high, thin window of stained glass, Oak paneling stags, heads and coats of arms upon the wall, all dim and somber in the subdued light of the central lamp. Wow, that's like, that is pretty close. Yeah. That's like pretty much the main hub of the game. Yeah. And the you game come back makes this it. whole system where you have to complete each coat of arms and lift the curse of the Baskervilles one by one
1: from each member of the family that has passed. Right. And it's super interesting because within each of these family members' rooms, you find a way to go to the past mm-hmm. where you see the room as it was right after they died. And it does deviate from the original story quite a bit in that apparently they all died in this house by at the hand of a hound. At the hand of a hound, um, yeah. That's, it's like bloody and torn. And The book says something like
0: they all had really bloody deaths yeah. and sudden deaths and mysterious deaths, but they all got killed by this hound in this house in mm-hmm. the game, which is not so yeah. much what the deal was
1: and the minute you go to the past in each of these and you see that scene in front of you you're like whoa okay. yeah it's
0: a destroyed room there's blood streaks and paw prints in blood everywhere and the, um i mean it's not super graphic i mean i would let uh, my child play this not a young young child but uh, you know yeah um but yeah it's it's a fun little puzzle game i definitely enjoyed it there's a character uh lily baskerville in the game, and you go into her room, and she was an entomologist. Yeah, which there I thought
1: was the a lot of stories, but the story isn't the same. Like the characters from the book, like Stapleton, Franklin, uh, Louise, they're not in it. It's all about the the family of the Baskervilles, but they all kind of are represented a little bit in some of these family members, which I think is cool.
0: Right. It was a way to tie it in. And, you know, I mean, we fussed about this when we played the game because it doesn't make a lot of sense in the, like, Sherlock universe. But, like, the game basically ends with them via magical means breaking this curse. It's weird. Sherlock kind of having to admit that, like, the curse was
1: real. Yes. Yeah. They go out onto the moor and they actually go to the mine um, from the book. They don't go, like, mm-hmm. into it, but there's, like, a little, I don't know, mushroom stone circle thing outside of this <laughs> mine that you have to bring objects to. And then, yeah, magically you do this. So it is superstitious.
0: Right. It doesn't end with, like, a logical explanation. Like, in the book, It's mm-hmm. it was all Jack Stapleson's plot, and he had, like, there was an actual big hound that he had trained to kill and right. that he had... Put phosphorus in its mouth and eyes so that it would glow. And like, there was an explanation and in the game, there's not really an explanation and it's super like, Oh, that's not how Sherlock works. No. Yeah.
1: He's not. I, by the way, I feel like I've been saying um, superstitious or some other word. I meant to say supernatural. Oh, <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it does end rather differently, but it's still a lot of fun. I recommend it.
0: Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, And actually, the very last thing that happens in the game, spoilers, but not really because it doesn't affect the story at all, but we found it very funny. It's that it ends at 221B and Henry has brought Holmes a thank you present for helping him and it's a puppy. (laughs) And Holmes, he hands it to Holmes and Holmes has this look on his face of like, Oh, thank you. (laughs) Just what I've always wanted.
1: (laughs) It's so funny. uh, They're like in like every other media content would be like, dude, I don't want
0: this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he'd be like, absolutely not. And then Watson would get stuck with the dog. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all we have to say about the game. It was cool to like see the visuals of the different rooms. The art
1: animation was really Cool. It was really nice. Yeah. Done.
0: And I liked reading the story afterwards and having the, some of those visuals in my head of like
1: the main hall and everything. So yeah. that was cool. All right. So the show, are you, wait, did you want to rate the game? I'm sorry.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know that it's anything special. It's just, it's a really good like rainy day cozy chill game if you want to just like take very long relax and not have to use your brain very much um
1: (laughs) pretty neutral on
0: it yeah i think i'm like two and a half like right at neutral i don't think it's bad but i don't think it's good i think it serves (laughs) (laughs) exactly like what purpose it meant to you know it's no nancy drew let's be no (laughs) no 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 but it's the sort of game that you could have playing on your laptop while you also have like a movie on or something yes it would not be any problem at all to do both at the same time. <laughs> right. <laughs> for sure.
1: All right. Ready for the show? Yes. I am very excited to talk about the show. I really love the show. Even though they went like off the walls with some stuff, I'm about uh, it.
0: The later seasons. They really, lost me. yeah,
1: they went for it for
0: sure. <laughs> I stuck with it till the end and I, I watched them all, but yeah, the last, especially the last two seasons, I feel like just didn't, do it for me but i feel like the first two are great i really enjoy yeah
1: super good and the interpretation of sherlock holmes is very modern in it Mm -hmm. uh which i think is neat
0: yeah a lot of the differences that we'll talk about are mainly just from having to modernize this story yes which changes it drastically it changes it drastically but also i think it works I agree really well. Like I think if it had been a plot of inheritance, like the book was, I feel like it would have been stale and yes, everybody's heard
1: that story and heard that motive so many times. Yeah. They really switched it up for sure. I like the direction they went. It's so dramatic. Oh my God. I forgot how dramatic the show is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Right. It had been probably five years since mm-hmm. I've seen an episode of this show. So jumping back into it, I was like, I forgot the whole tone and mood of this show. It's unique. Uh, It was interesting to go back to, especially after having immediately having finished the book.
1: (laughs) Right. Which is is very different. Uh, And they have little nods to the book, which I appreciate, even if they don't like affect the story really at all. Mm-hmm. All right, so jumping into it, it begins with a little boy running away from something, like, terrified. And simultaneously, like, kind of flitting back and forth, there's a man getting attacked by something. Mm, yeah, it looks pretty gnarly. It, it's a- Yeah, it's very high tension immediately. And then the boy runs into a woman walking a dog who's like, are you okay? And he starts screaming. And it jump cuts to... We're assuming that it's the same, it's the little boy grown up. That was my initial assumption. Um, he's standing at the mouth of a cave looking really nervous and then he runs away and the theme song plays.
0: And if you had asked me to hum this theme tune before I watched it, I don't know that I would have been able to, but then as soon as it started, I was
1: like, God, this is oh, iconic.
0: Yeah. Oh, I it just, is. Like, it instantly came right back to me. For sure. <laughs> I have
1: it in a playlist on my phone. I hear it every once in a while. I'm like, ah.
0: Sherlock barges into his flat, covered in blood, holding a weapon. They don't explain this at all. No, I love that. I don't need an explanation. I don't want an explanation. It's so like the the story of that, of him just barging in. He's covered in blood and he's holding not (laughs) just like a knife or something. It's like a big weapon. Yeah, I think it's yeah. great. I think it's a good joke. Uh, yeah. And Watson's like, you went on the
1: tube like that? <laughs> he's right. Like, a cab wouldn't pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He immediately gets cleaned up, and then he starts demanding Watson get him some cigarettes, because the Sherlock in the series has some major addiction problems. Like, mm-hmm. major, major, because he's so intelligent that if he's not actively working on a case or keeping his brain occupied, he has to cope somehow. Right. He gets in like a, a manic state. Yeah. If he's not
0: high, essentially.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which to a certain extent I understand because I like, I always have to have something keeping my brain going. Otherwise I go a little insane, but he's on another level for sure. Gotta have stimulation. Yes, absolutely. And Watson is like, no, dude, You said you're going to quit cold turkey and you paid off all of the shops in the area not to sell you cigarettes, (laughs) which is like, uh, that's a desperation.
0: Yeah. Uh, To pay off all the, the local corner shops not to sell you any cigarettes, but he's really rude to Mrs. Hudson. I can't quite remember when he mentions it in the show, but Mrs. Hudson's perfume comes up. Mm -hmm. Uh, he like smells it or mentions it or something and he knows like exactly what perfume it is and that is another nod to the book which i liked because at one point he smells i think it's the letter or like it's some piece of paper it is the letter it's a letter that i think laura lyons wrote and um he can smell her perfume on it and uh, he smells it on her when they go to meet her in person. And wow. he like lectures on Watson about how like there are 72 perfumes. And if you should know what they all smell like so that you can identify them.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't pick up on that little nod. That's great. I like that.
0: Yeah. There's lots of like really little things on in here. Mm-hmm. I think it adds to
1: it so much. It's like they, it they really respect the source material, even though they totally take it in a different direction. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, And he's freaking out because he needs a case like he's going insane, just like Benoit Blanc without a case. (laughs) And Watson is like, is there nothing in the email? Like, there's no cases in the email. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a case. It's about a disappearing glow in the dark rabbit bluebell. And that's just not good enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bluebell's not going to cut it, Watson.
1: Yeah, but they get a case almost immediately because Henry shows up Henry uh Henry Baskerville this actor how do you feel about this actor?
0: I spent most of my time looking at his face <laughs> and wondering what else I know him from oh really? I looked up his acting history and it must be this like it must be that <laughs> it's the show this that I show? recognize him from because he's a distinctive looking person yeah he is and it's just been so long since I've seen the show that I was like, he looks familiar, but it's just I know him from this show because I didn't really recognize him,
1: anything else he's in. <laughs> this whole initial scene, he has food on his mouth and it was really bothering me.
0: It's really distracting, but I mean, at least it is there for a reason. I but know, yes. I hate it though.
1: And I feel like he's always got this like stupid look on his face. Like his mouth is he's- open. I know. I know it's like a part of the character, but... <laughs> I found it hard to watch a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, just in general, he's kind of an irritating character, I think. Um, But yeah, he does have like a smudge of what looks like spaghetti sauce on the corner of his mouth in this whole first scene.
1: He shows them a documentary video of Baskerville experiments in Dartmoor where they believe animals are being mutated. So it's not a Baskerville manor. It's a Baskerville like secret top secret army military facility. Yeah, it's
0: like a lab where they're running tests. The locals know it's there and that it's a lab, but it, like everything they're working on is all very hush hush like
1: super hush hush. There's a fence around it. There's supposedly landmines around it. Very heavy security.
0: Big deal. Yeah, there's like old landmines from the war. Um there's like a minefield that they have fenced off just outside the lab as well.
1: And I mean, obviously, people are going to speculate wildly about what's in there and have mm. crazy conspiracy theories. Of
0: course. Why wouldn't you? It's an obligation at this point if you have a secret lab in your town. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> he brought them this documentary video because he has a firsthand story he wants to share. And that it is that his dad was torn apart at Dewar's Hollow by a huge beast with black fur and red eyes, and his body was never found.
1: <laughs> Literally, when so, he says this, Sherlock is like, "Pat, leave. I'm, I'm gonna go. No thanks. Yeah, the <laughs>
0: same reaction as in the
1: book. He's just like, okay, <laughs> Yeah, <and?"> okay, whatever. <laughs> but he, he turns around and he's like, I saw the footprints of a gigantic hound, And Sherlock immediately turns around, and is like, I'll take the case. Interesting. I'll take it. And it's like a total 180. Yeah,
0: he is not interested at all. And then as soon as he says gigantic hound, Sherlock all in. Yeah,
1: and he does this whole Sherlock in the show does this whole thing where he goes on a whole rant about people around him that he he notices things about them. And it's basically proving himself <laughs> as the world's right. greatest detective. But he does it kind of like. Right.
0: Very dickishly. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells this man all about himself, basically. Mm
1: -hmm. I do enjoy watching it. (laughs) And I love how Watson is either exasperated by it or is like totally impressed by it. So
0: that's where the the food on this guy's mouth comes from, was that he had eaten like beans on toast or like a sandwich or something on the train and it smudged on his mouth.
1: It was disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... And Sherlock Zeus says that something must have happened the night before he came to make him want to come to Sherlock Holmes to figure this out. And so, you know, Henry has this whole story that his dad was torn apart by a beast. And Watson's like, do you think maybe you invented this story to cope with the trauma of being an orphan? <laughs> and he's like, that's what my therapist says. <laughs> 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 whose name is Louise Mortimer
0: which is a nod a nice yes. little and I love nod that she's a woman. Homer. Yes, yes,
1: yes. Cuz there's like no women that aren't objectified really in the, book. Oh, the Original
0: story, yeah. The only two women really are both being played yeah. and out of control of their situations, which is feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Henry went back there, found the big footprints of the gigantic hound. And yeah, that's kind of where the scene wraps up. Sure, There's a little moment where Sherlock kind of pretends like he's not going to go.
1: Yeah, he's just going to send Watson. And Watson's like, really? He's like, no, of course I'm going. <laughs> Which I thought was cute. Yeah. Was like,
0: OK, really? Because <laughs> I had forgotten if he actually goes. I know. Or not.
1: Yeah, because I know that he like kind of he sets up Watson in the show. Not exactly like the book, but I remember that. So I'm like, does he not go at all? Um, yeah, I couldn't
0: remember, but he does go. It's just a little kind of a joke he pulls for a second, but a nod. Again, a nod to the book. I like it. So they get there, get their bearings, kind of explore the little town. And we see a, I guess i was starting to laugh, but um, it was a scene later. Uh, mm. So we see Henry in therapy with Dr. Mortimer. Yeah. He keeps seeing like flashes of the words Liberty. And in, I in, uh, and he can't make any sense of it or why it's relevant, but it's just as part of the trauma of the whole event. It's what he can remember.
1: Yeah, you get these weird in-between scenes of Henry, like losing his mind, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're all very intense and they don't, they don't give you any good feelings. No, there's one later that really me up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know the one we'll get there. <laughs> but Watson is getting some info from the local barman, and he says that the, the Great Grimpin minefield is the Baskerville testing site. So instead of there being a mire where people and animals succumb to the muck, there's a minefield, right? Yeah, which is
0: another neat. reason to keep people out, make sure people don't go there.
1: Yeah, he introduces a man named fletcher he's the local monster tour man uh which totally gives me vibes of nancy drew and the captive um, curse oh i didn't even think about that one i was thinking of midnight in salem oh that one too
0: yeah they both yeah where it's like yeah somebody capitalizing on like the town's local Mm. story
1: yeah and totally like making shit up yeah
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: And he claims that he has seen the hound. And they also, um, like, the barman's partner, I assume, or husband, something, like, walks behind him and mentions the escaped convict. It's the only time it's brought up. But I thought that was a cute nod, too. It's the only time it's brought up? Yeah. Do they
0: not close that out later?
1: No, He. it's literally just like, oh, you think with having escaped convicts around and something, we'd have enough to deal with or something like that. Um huh. And that's it. That's the
0: only time they talk about it. I didn't note that line, but it's wild that they don't ever bring it up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the nod to the book, but if you hadn't read the book, you'd
1: be like, what? what? <laughs> You're <laughs> right. I, it's so quick that if you hadn't read the book, you would just, it would go over your head and you would immediately forget about
0: it. Yeah, I guess. That's funny. I didn't catch that one. Yeah, so Sherlock goes to get, try and get some information out of Fletcher. and. Plays this guy
1: pretty hard. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> <laughs> he falls for it so... I love Benedict Cumberbatch's smirks that he gives, like his little side eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah, he can smirk with the best of them, that's for sure. I mm-hmm. think that's one of the reasons he got cast for this role, is he can look so smug.
1: <laughs> smug, so well. yes, that's the word, yeah.
0: But yeah, he, he gets this information, he convinces this guy that he and Watson made a bet to see if he actually had any proof of this hound. And he shows him a picture and tells him a story of his friend that got sent to the secret labs of an army base where he does rats as big as dogs and dogs the size of horses.
1: And he pulls out a giant fossilized paw print, which (laughs) Watson and Sherlock are like, yep, okay, that's proof. And they get up and leave, but I mean... Is it proof? I don't know. Right. That could be faked. So yeah, this guy doesn't come back into play.
0: He's just there to add flavor, I
1: guess. Yeah, I guess
0: so. And is kind of a little bit of a information dump as far as. Yeah. Whether the dog is actually a real thing or not.
1: Uh, So Sherlock and Watson are like, we got to get into this lab. Uh, So they use, Mycroft Holmes top security clearance badge, which again I don't know how Mycroft plays into the original Sherlock stories, but in this universe of Sherlock, he's a huge bigwig in the government.
0: Yeah, he's like really high up in MI6, which is like the UK's like CIA, and has pretty much like security clearance anywhere he wants. Yeah, do whatever. They're like driving onto this base. And Watson's like, you got us clearance? And Sherlock pulls out Mycroft's badge. <laughs> like, and Watson's like, oh, my God.
1: He's like, I knew I'd need this one day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a thief. Yeah. And they, it totally works. They dupe everyone into thinking they're there on a spot check. Um, and Watson, like, immediately jumps into being like, I was in the military. Give us a tour. <laughs> He uses his rank a little bit.
0: They're both really good at thinking on their feet together. Yes. And making it work as,
1: as a pair, as a team, making it believable. I love their relationship. It's great. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of mm. Paris and Rory from Gilmore Girls. It is a little
0: Paris and Rory because Rory just goes along with whatever Paris yep. tells her to do pretty much. And, and
1: Paris is kind of an asshole, but very endearing. But like, yeah, lovable ass. Yeah. Ugh. It
0: is. It's very. I can definitely see those similarities. There's our obligatory Gilmore Girls uh, comparison. <laughs> once an episode, episode. at least. I mean. At least once an episode. Oh, there it is. But yeah. So they meet a Dr. Franklin, which was the crazy lawyer from the book, and a Dr. Stapleton, which is obviously the villain from the book. But neither of them are like their characters. No, in the not book. at all.
1: Like at all at all.
0: Right. Yeah. Dr. Franklin is an older man who seems just like really enthusiastic mm-hmm. and like eager to help, eager to please. Yeah,
1: for sure. He also, you can tell he kind of recognizes Sherlock, but he doesn't say anything. And
0: Dr. Stapleton is a kind of severe looking woman, no nonsense yeah, mm-hmm. kind of a woman. And she is working in the like the
1: secret, secret lab. Completely white. And I think that's such an interesting choice. It's very jarring style. It is very
0: jarring. It looks like an asylum or something. How mm-hmm. like white and stark it is.
1: And they are doing experiments on animals down here. Yeah, lots yeah. of them. Yeah. Lots of them. He basically says like anything you can think of, we do it. Yeah, yeah. Which is yikes. <laughs> yeah. And Sherlock actually recognizes her as the mom of the kid who wrote in about Bluebell, which was the case that he wanted to turn turn down the glowing rabbit. Watson is like, are you kidding me? (laughs) He's like,
0: is that why we came here? (laughs) But, you know, as they're getting their little tour of the lab, of course, Mycroft has been notified. Someone has used his badge at this military base
1: and literally texting sherlock what are you doing right
0: sherlock's like oh time to go <laughs> we need to start leaving now and of course the alarm goes off like just before they get to the exit but
1: dr franklin uh pretends that sherlock actually is Mycroft to stop the alarms and he's like oh they're with me i'll walk them out and I me mean, he knows who sherlock is because watson has a blog in this universe with pictures of sherlock Uh, And he puts two and two together. He's like, you're here because of Henry, aren't you? He hasn't been doing very well lately. I know he's distraught about his father, etc. And he gives them his number.
0: Yeah, he basically offers his assistance if they ever need anything while they're working on
1: this case. A little too eager, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Indeed. He gives bad vibes a little bit.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think he reminds me of a character in something else and i don't even know what character it is that Mm. he reminds me of but it reminds me of like a really creepy sexually creepy character in some other movie or tv show and i can't place who it is that he sort of resembles but it immediately kind of gave me the ick (laughs) Mm -hmm. with this guy even though he doesn't do anything wrong
1: i can see that for sure
0: They go to see Henry
1: again. In Henry's house, which is like super nice because he's rich.
0: (laughs) Barely rich. Yeah. This is my ideal kind of house. It's very modern looking, but it has these like rustic elements in it because it's like an old English house that's been updated. And I love that it has like the original kind of like stonework and stuff in it. Yeah, it's a beautiful house. Only thing I don't like are those giant-ass windows that we'll talk about in a little bit. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And literally, Sherlock, I've been saying literally a lot this episode. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Literally?
1: Um, I feel like every episode, I have one thing where I say repeatedly, and I don't know why.
0: The last episode, if you didn't see it yet, I have not put out the TikTok yet, but the last episode, (gasps) Lauren couldn't remember who anyone was. that's a common thing for me i don't know any, actors in the, names the whole movie <laughs> we have a whole compilation of lauren being like who is that again oh right yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: anyway Anyways. Um, sherlock tells henry that they're gonna go back to the moor he's like what he's like yeah i want to see if anything attacks you let's go gosh the trauma Sherlock just blazing
0: through like, I don't oh. care if this man has deep, deep trauma associated no. with this place. Come with me.
1: His character doesn't give any shit about mental, other people's mental health. Even about his no. own mental health. let I know, he's
0: very unconcerned <laughs> about his own mental health, which is a whole plot point of the show. Yeah. But they go into the woods. Of course, they get separated. They hear strange noises. They see like a light flashing Morse code across a hill, which. Chris Watson does. It's a nod to the book. Yeah, a little signal out on the moor. And he writes down that it spells U-M-Q-R-A. Good for him for knowing Morse code.
1: <laughs> and then Sherlock and Henry make it to Doer's Hollow, which is where his dad was attacked. And they both hear growling and howling. Sherlock will not admit that he saw anything, but Henry swears they saw it. And he's all sorts of agitated. So when they get back to his house, Watson gives him something to sleep. And goes back to the inn with Sherlock. It's super tense and dramatic. It's so dramatic. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Over the next few scenes, it keeps cutting back to Henry's evening. Mm -hmm. He is having this just deep paranoia. Yeah. It's a really tense scene. Like the lights, he has like floor to ceiling windows that look on to his backyard. And the like outdoor, like motion sensor lights keep, flashing on all of a sudden and then going off
1: bam it's like in your face it's very bright and things are like running across the field of view and he's getting super agitated oh god
0: he's like losing it and like first of all i love a big window but when it comes nighttime i am not into
1: big windows cover that shit up i
0: have zero interest in seeing what is outside yeah my house at
1: night heck to the (laughs) no I don't want to know. You you have drapes, sir. Why don't you have curtains? Honestly, (laughs) it's kind of weird that he doesn't. But I
0: guess it's a big enough house and private enough. But it's creepy and I hate it. And it like triggers a really specific fear of mine of like not liking my curtains open at night.
1: (laughs) For sure. Totally agree. And at the very end of it, something bangs on his window and he falls down and he literally just sits on the floor and cries. This poor guy. I know.
0: He's having a time. But meanwhile, back at the inn, Sherlock is also having a really hard time, very yes. agitated, very freaked.
1: So freaked. I struggled with this scene cuz I, I couldn't remember if he was faking it or not. And oh, yeah. Based on the events later, it's like he was faking it a little bit, but he was actually scared. Because he he couldn't trust his mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I was like, he overplays it so hard. I don't know. He wants
0: Watson to think that he's very agitated and very freaked. And I think those are his real feelings, but he is playing it up big time. Yes. Really amplifying it. And Watson really just brushes it off. Oh, for sure. He's like, you're overthinking this. You're buying into everything that's happening around here. You just need some sleep and, you know, to start over in the morning.
1: And Sherlock like yells at him and Mm -hmm. he ends the conversation by being like, I don't have any friends. Leave me alone. Like, you're not my friend. I don't have any friends. Oh, I know. It's ugly.
0: And John Watson goes back to where he saw the Morse code flashing. And uh, (laughs) it turns out it was car headlights. That were flashing on and off because it is a group of people dogging, which I
1: don't know if you know that term, <laughs> Lauren. I um, guess I do. I didn't think about it, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's people dogging in a car.
1: And yeah, the less like of the car on and off, is making. Yeah, the, the which is unrealistic, but it's a nod to the book. So I'll accept it.
0: Yeah, Watson realizing, like, that's why the letters didn't make any sense because it wasn't spelling anything. (laughs)
1: Um, He also goes and interviews Dr. Mortimer, the woman. Mm -hmm. Um, He basically is disguising it being a date, like he was trying to woo her, um, which in the show, Watson is the player anyways. But (laughs) he. Gets very put off. She gets the ick because Dr. Franklin stops by in on their date and spoils the beans. He's like, oh, this is Sherlock's living personal assistant. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, damn it.
0: He really was like genuinely, I think, kind of interested in her, but also genuinely trying to learn stuff about the case. And yeah, Dr. Franklin very earnestly comes and just wrecks the whole situation
1: yeah and she's like ah i get it you're gay you're trying to get information out of me and she dead ass leaves
0: (laughs) (laughs) goodbye sherlock the next morning apologizes to watson makes him a cup of coffee and says he doesn't have friends multiple he just has one yeah
1: i like that it's cute (laughs)
0: it's really cute He like begrudgingly really likes Watson and Watson begrudgingly really Really. likes him. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He said, I wasn't lying before Watson. I don't have friends. I just have the one. I was like, oh, (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Watson takes a sip of the coffee or the tea. I guess it's tea. And he's like, oh, what'd you put in this? And he's like, oh, sugar. And he's like, oh, I, I don't take sugar. But then he drinks it anyway because yeah. he looks at Sherlock's face, which looks really like Rest hurt fallen. by the fact yeah. that he doesn't
1: like the tea. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. And then Sherlock makes the assumption that Hound is actually an acronym. But it stands for something. They just don't know what. Right. Right.
0: Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Lestrade shows up. Hey, I like Lestrade he in the show. It's just off holiday. I really like Lestrade in the show. Yeah. I like the actor who plays him. I think he pulls off the like serious enough, but kind of allows Sherlock to be indulgent mm-hmm, for <laughs> enough at sure. the time. It's a good balance. Um, but he shows up and he wants to watch over them after the Baskerville incident.
1: Yeah, basically Mycroft sent him. <laughs> Um, and he interviews the barman so he sits them down and they admit to having a dog locked up in an old mine shaft to scare scare tourists and drum up business Uh, which again a nod to the book Um, but they state that they have taken care of the dog since so the dog is no longer out there and Sherlock is like yeah that's chill and all but that is not the dog I saw because the dog I saw was glowing
0: (laughs) it was not a regular dog my friends
1: (laughs) So he
0: gives Mycroft a call uh, because he does need to get back into the lab to test a theory, but he doesn't say what. And Sherlock sends Watson off by himself to search the labs for the hound. He goes
1: off. He's like, oh, I got to talk to so-and-so, so you just go ahead. And poor Watson gets played so hard. Poor, poor Watson, who is an
0: actual war vet in the
1: show literally has ptsd
0: yeah he was like a field medic right so he was has some definite ptsd and sherlock just tosses him into this situation once again disregard for everyone's mental health involved totally but yeah so watson's walking around the lab and he starts getting blinded by the lights and alarms and sirens so dramatic and uh and he goes to use his key hard to leave the room and he can't, it keeps saying access denied the panic that would happen in me. Yeah. Yeah. The Uh, lights all all go off at the same time. All the lights. Mm. We have proven before. Number one way to freak us out. Oh, just turn off all the lights all of a sudden. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) it's very
1: effective. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. And he's like with a flashlight looking in this room and there's pages with Either animals or they're empty, and he sees one that is broken, like it's bent up. Which I don't know how anyone did that, but and then he starts hearing animal noises. So he literally like gets in a cage and locks himself in because he's so scared. Oh, I
0: feel so bad for him. This is so triggering for him. Yes, he actually gets on the phone with Sherlock and is describing what he's seeing and hearing to Sherlock who eventually comes and saves him and opens up the cage.
1: And all the lights come back on, and it's like, nothing happened.
0: And yeah, he's like, I saw it, I saw it. And of course, nobody else can see anything, or there's no signs.
1: And Sherlock is like, of course you saw a glowing hound, because that's what you expected to see. That's what I told you you were going to see. We have been drugged. Drops that bombshell. Oh, yeah. He goes hard (laughs) on the they've been drugged thing.
0: (laughs) So they go to see Dr. Stapleton and use her microscope. She says it was a mix up that her daughter ended up with Bluebell, the glowing bunny. They're just like chit chatting about and it. And that he had to be <laughs> yeah. returned.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watson is like, that's harsh. And she said, yeah, I hate myself sometimes. Oh, damn, Dr. Stapleton. Yeah, it's harsh. <laughs> it is. Yeah. In the name of science. Sherlock is using her microscope because he's trying to find something in the sugar. Because that's where he was convinced the drug was. Um, But he doesn't find anything. So he gets really upset by it.
0: Yeah, the whole coffee exchange, coffee tea uh, exchange earlier in the day was Sherlock drugging Watson with the sugar. He knows he doesn't take sugar.
1: And obviously he does, but... And Watson doesn't realize that until the end of the episode. (laughs) That's why he brought him coffee or tea. So,
0: yeah, they leave Sherlock in peace so that he can go to his mind palace and put all the pieces together, basically.
1: Which is what they call it in the show. um, But it's just like in the book where they left him to smoke his tobacco and, like, think it through. Right.
0: And the show does that thing where they have, like, words and images come up around Sherlock in the show um, kind of flashing around. And as he's putting stuff together, he's like moving images around. And he finally puts it together that Liberty and in that Henry has been seeing stands for Liberty, Indiana and, and it's like related to Hound. Yeah. H-O-U-N-D.
1: In between him figuring out what Hound actually means, we get another Henry scene and it's terrifying he was in a
0: session was he in a session
1: she just went to his house dr mortimer oh
0: okay so for like a a welfare check or something he shoots at her thinking that she you know he's like hallucinating essentially yeah and shoots at her shatters a mirror behind her misses her and she calls Sherlock and Watson yeah. about it. And it's very awful. It's and she's very shaken up. And-, and
1: he's very shaken up because he comes to and realizes that he just shot at his therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. But in the meantime, uh, they are in the lab and they are using the facilities database for like guesses a password. And they find out <laughs> that Hound is actually a list of people. So it's like a list of last names of people that were tested on by being given a drug that makes humans suggestible using fear and stimulus. It was like a a test run of this drug. Mm -hmm. It was shut down in 86. This program was, but clearly someone is doing it again.
0: Yeah. It's the same symptoms that they are all having. So clearly somebody's running the same tests and they come to the conclusion, I
1: think in this, him oh, yeah. right they see him in a picture
0: oh right 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 they yeah they see dr franklin in a photo in the records
1: mr creepy man so the culprit in this one is not stapleton i wonder if they did that just specifically so that people didn't to see it coming throw people off yeah, yeah. who had read the story
0: so they go look for henry on the moor because he had run off after shooting at dr mortimer and they arrive and he is on the brink of suicide he is it's really intense he's so distraught watson has to talk him down enough to be able to get the gun away from him but it's a really tense scene it's rough to watch and i feel like once again watson has his own (laughs) like traumas triggered here and talking somebody down and having a gun and all that, it's, it's rough to watch.
1: They successfully do it. Yeah, they save him. And Sherlock just tries to explain to Henry, he was just remembering what really happened the night his dad died. So Franklin was actually the one that killed his dad, not a dog, and then drugged Henry to change his perception of the night And as Henry started remembering it again in his therapy sessions, he was like, oh shit, this dude is remembering what actually happened. I have to start drugging him again.
0: But then Sherlock explains that they had both seen the dog that night, but only as their drugged minds wanted them to see it. So they had been primed to look for this dog with glowing eyes and like these razor sharp teeth and, and the hound shows
1: back up. While they're there. While they're there. Sherlock has a very trippy moment where he sees his arch nemesis Moriarty in a gas mask. But it's actually Dr. Franklin in a gas mask. So obviously they're being drugged currently where they stand. It is in the fog around them.
0: Yeah, it's been pumped up through vents in the ground. And Sherlock figures it out
1: uh before we go on this is a total tangent have you seen fleabag yet it's a, um, like mini pieces of
0: it but i know he's in it he
1: is in it he's the sexy so, priest he right? is he's the sexy priest yes he it's is so weird also. i'm like you're moriarty i cannot <laughs> see you as anything but moriarty
0: <laughs> i know uh he's also in um we're talking about the actor who plays moriarty which yeah. let me look up his name really quick He's also in uh, his Dark Materials on oh, is HBO. He, who does he play? He plays John Perry. He plays Will's dad. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott is his name. He's, he's in a great. ton of stuff, but he's I, really I uh, same as you. I feel like I recognize him most from Sherlock. So he's every great. time he shows up in anything, I'm
1: like, yeah. oh, it's Moriarty. <laughs> yeah, and he's the villain in Sherlock. So it was really weird to see him in a. Like, totally opposite casting, a very different <laughs> yeah. thing in Fleabag. <laughs> yeah, he's literally a priest. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, tangent over. Uh. But yeah.
0: So Sherlock puts it together. The Hound shows up again, and Lestrade
1: shoots it, it which the is once again. again. I'm, I'm like,
0: stop.
1: <laughs> and no one really. Well, like, they they kind of talk about it actually in the show, but. Oh, man. Not as much as I want them to. What oh, and like, obviously, the barman didn't get rid of the dog. They couldn't because they're decent people, but it got shot anyway.
0: Yeah, it's just a normal dog. Yeah, I guess they said they, they had like rehomed it, right? Or something like yeah. that. But clearly they were like, we just mm-hmm. we couldn't get rid of it because we loved it. Yeah, uh, well, sucks to be them
1: because it literally got shot. They also apparently just let it. Walk around still? That is a thing in the country. I hate it because I'm like, your dog's going to get run over or stolen or eaten. Lost or, yeah, like there's so many things that could go wrong. That's what people do in the country. It's so frustrating. Yeah, without even collars on them. Anyways.
0: Yeah, so they find that there's press pads in the ground um, so that every time Henry would come here to try to like process his trauma and work through everything, he would get drugged all over again and it was just perpetuating the issue to discredit him
1: yeah so even if he remembers that franklin was the one that killed his dad it wouldn't matter because everyone thinks he's insane yeah uh when they come to this realization franklin hauls ass <laughs> yeah
0: says, just like stri- just like uh stapleton, stapleton in the
1: book yep. yeah and takes off just like stapleton in the book he meets his maker in
0: the mire mm-hmm. steps himself on a little landmine goes boom literally explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more dramatic <laughs> it's and very dramatic like violent than in the book but i think that's just because you didn't get to witness the death in the book which i'm right. sure was probably pretty terrible to watch but yeah watson then finally realized
1: that sherlock had drugged him earlier <laughs> or tried to drug him. He used him as an experiment in the lab, but the drug was already in his system. He definitely ribbed Sherlock. He's like, You were wrong. You thought it was in the sugar. It wasn't. You were wrong. You were wrong. It was cute. <laughs> he's <laughs> really like, Yeah,
0: he's really relishing the fact that
1: Sherlock got it wrong. Yeah. And that's basically where the episode ends. Ends with a teaser for the next episode because it's a TV series. But mm-hmm. yeah, I really like the show's interpretation. I just love the show. Yeah, it's very different uh, in vibe. It's super different. And even this episode from the rest of the episodes are different in vibe. Like, I remember watching this one and not liking it as much as the rest of the show. Mm, Yeah. Most of the time they're, like, in the city.
0: They're solving murders. Not so much just, like, a general mystery of what's happening. Right. So, yeah, even from its fellow episodes, it definitely feels different.
1: But I'd say it's... mm, 3.75 3.75 just like the book It's it. yeah
0: yeah I don't think it's the strongest of the Sherlock episodes no but it's certainly better than like the later ones yeah which get kind of they go really off the rails but they do I I would agree I think it's right around like a three and a half probably for me it's solid it's entertaining it's a good watch but there are better episodes for sure yeah. so yeah I think that's Kind of it. I mean, we, I like the idea of cross comparing all of these because they're Sherlock is one of those entities that is so widely adapted Mm -hmm. and to try and do like separate episodes on every single thing would be crazy (laughs) and (laughs) just a lot to do. But it's also like you get to do a little bit more analyzing of things as you compare the different mediums. I I really,
1: really enjoyed reading the book first and then watching this because I did that specifically because we split outlines for the podcast uh, and I had the show. But I was like, I have to read the book first before I do the show, because I just I think there's something to be said about reading the source material, because then you can pick up on the little nods to it. and. You know all of the nuances to the media that has been inspired by it. I just I think, think it, it's really neat.
0: For me, enhanced my viewing of the show because mm-hmm. you could see what they were doing. You could see that they sat down with the source material and they were like, "Okay, well, we we clearly have to change this narrative in order to modernize it to a certain extent, but we're going to do a bunch of little nods and as much as we can to bring these outdated elements of the book into the new story," which I really enjoyed. Oh, really? So yeah. It's a recommend for all three from me, but I think if I had to recommend one over the others, it would be the book. I think, hmm. but that's me. I would I'm say just the a show. reader. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> everybody's different. Everybody's Everybody different. floats your boat. They're both worth your time, and the game too. If, if like I said, if you want like a nice, chill, relaxing time, all right? Yeah. So this has been another episode of Senior Detectives. Thanks for listening today. You can join us next time as we discuss Call of the Sea, the video game, which was a really I feel like Lauren and I both went into that one not knowing anything
1: about it really. And
0: boy, did we go on a journey. Loved it.
1: (laughs) We really enjoyed it. I can't wait to talk about it. Same. If you want to go watch us play through it before we do that, you can
0: do that. You can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Senior Detectives. And on Twitter, we are at SNR underscore detectives on TikTok, SNR detectives pod. And then we are on Instagram at senior detectives pod. Uh, many thanks to Kendall Dobeck for our theme song and for editing our podcast and editing out our ums and ahs. Uh, and thank you to cozy snail designs for our cover art and have a great night, everybody. Bye.